mom and dad. I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Good summer episode. Yes, indeed. We're in the, the dog days of summer here, and we've got a good one for you. Yeah. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Awesome, awesome. We've got a really fun episode today. We do. We're, We're just talking like, about a crazy movie. Yes. Uh, that I love. I mean, who doesn't love this movie? It, we'll, we'll talk about how well-received, well-known well this is, but took me a minute to come around. We'll get to it. Get to it. Talk about it. So we watched... Well, I guess that we took a little trip to sleepaway camp. Yes, indeed. With our friend of the pod, Mike Toscano. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. And yes, we watched Sleepaway Camp, released November 18th, 1983, yes. directed by Robert... Hitzik? Sure. Yeah, so we want Sleepaway Camp. So, Mike, you wanted to do Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Mike, do you want to briefly tell us about your uh, <laughs> your history with Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. So I saw it on video. Um, it was actually recommended uh, from me to my from my brother, I mean. And um, I was really hardcore into horror films, and that was one of the lesser-known films. And I tracked down a copy of it, rented it from a local video store, and was just in awe of what I was watching. It's pretty crazy. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit going on in this movie that just like would never fly in a mainstream movie. I mean, was this movie even mainstream? I mean, I feel like this was no. given, no. but I feel like this was given a semi wide release for like the early '80s. I think it was released in almost 800 theaters. Yeah, but the 80s was like the Wild West. Of yeah, life, of but like but movies. that said, this crazy B-movie managed to sort of just be playing and played in like multiplexes across America. Right. But it was not produced by a big motion picture no. company. Uh, Scott, what is your history, your beloved history with this, with this movie? So this was a movie that was introduced to me in college. Um, I feel like Darcy... Or, Prior guest Darcy Miller used to talk about Sleepaway Camp a lot. And my friend Anna, listener to the show. Hey, Anna, how's it going? She got all of us together and we did a group watch of Sleepaway Camp. Okay. I feel like how this movie should be watched is a, with a big room of people. Okay, but you were a full-grown adult. Yes, when you I was that. in college Mike, when I first watched this. Mike, you said you were – how old were you? I was like 15. Okay, not too bad. So you weren't too scarred. No, no, no. <laughs> But, like, were you blown away by the end of this movie? I was. I did not see that coming. I didn't Google um, anything about the movie walking in, so I was shocked. 
I mean, it's such a gag how this movie ends. I didn't know about it at all. Um, I don't even think I was familiar with it. Like, I think maybe I had seen, you know, the box art in like video stores, you know, growing up and just never just kind of dismissed it as, you know, like a B movie and something that probably wasn't very good, you know, to begin with. So I never gave it a a chance. And I finally saw it when Scott showed it to me as a full grown, you know, 30 something year old adult and was pretty shocked not just by the ending but by the entire movie itself there's so much going on as far as like inappropriateness with like you know the kids the the final scene is is crazy it's such a such a like i don't know it's the mind scrambler i have in my notes exploitation movie for children <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely an exploitation movie. Is it for children, though? That's the question. But it's starring children, no. though. It is starring children. <laughs> Which is very rare, because most of the time with horror films in a camp setting, it was always the counselors and not yes. the kids. So that made it really unique for me. And Felisa Rose was how old when she made this movie? I think she was around 13. I think so, yeah. That's insane! <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the big thing with, with kid actors is the fact that you know they can't be on set as long as as adults can so that's usually why they get a you know people over the age of 18 to play teenagers and it was a different time i mean like i know like felissa had mentioned about like she her mom was the only mom on set and all the other kids like their parents just dropped them off and left (laughs) oh my god just drop off the kids to go shoot a movie this summer yeah i mean this was probably just shot in like october september like the time when the – I think it was shot at Camp Algonquin in New York that the director had gone to summer camp with and they had to shoot this in the off season. Yeah, and just the time when parents would say, okay, there's going to be adults there, so you're fine. Go hang out and come back alive <laughs> 12 <laughs> hours later. I can't imagine – I know – I don't know any of my friends with kids that would let their children go to a movie set and be dropped off to be picked up later. Well, just reading the script. I don't. I don't know why parents probably allow their kids after reading the script. Oh man, there is. Uh, who wrote? Like, who is writing this? Just like, yep, this is totally on the level. Just like this gross camp cook is going to diddle this twelve-year-old minutes after <laughs> she walks into the kitchen. There's some shit that's just like, I don't know. Did I? Okay. Obviously, there's so much. There's so much, and I think part of it is like a different time. Like, what year is this movie? Eighty three. Eighty three. So this is very early in like home video, right? You know, to buy movies in 1983 was cost an exorbitant amount of money. You know, movie rentals was a thing, but people weren't. Maybe people weren't watching movies over and over again and analyzing them to the extent that they are now. So they just kind of figured, oh, you just forget about. The pedophilia, <laughs> the <laughs> rampant pedophilia in this movie. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because even watching, I ended up watching it last night. Yeah, and there were things I like picked up on it that I was like, "How did I not see this the first fifty times of me watching this movie?" Sure, there's still so much to like dive into. Yeah, yeah, there really is. Um, so I mean. I guess we should just talk about the overarching, like, thread of this movie. Sure. With Angela and Ricky. Mm-hmm. 
and and how they get there and how we get to this like bananas. You know, and that's the thing. Reveal. In like the first five minutes of the movie, it's just like, oh my god, this is insanity. Okay, so the first the opening of this movie, which is set in the past, you know, we've got like we get introduced to. Angela and Ricky, right? As kids. No, it's no. it's uh, Angela and Peter. It's Angela and Peter. As children. As children, yeah. On this lake. Is this the camp lake? It is. Okay, so we are to understand that this is the camp lake. Uh Angela and Peter, brother and sister, two small children, on a boat with their dad. I believe the little boy is the situation from Jersey Shore's younger brother, too. Mike, the situation. Mike, the situation. Yep, that's right. He's in the credits as Frank Sorrentino, but he has changed his name. It's now Maximo Sorrentino. Ah, love he's it. fully embraced a little bit more of his Italian heritage. He's Maximo now. I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so we've got two kids. We've got this dad. They're just like on this tiny little boat, and then we cut to. I love this couple on the on the jet ski boat. This boat, okay, so he's pull, there's a boat and they're pulling a water skier and the water skier is like the best actress I've ever seen. Oh, in she's my life. like selling this material. <laughs> she's fully the she's best terrified. actor. What's going on in this <laughs> entire movie? She okay, she does not need to be water skiing at this point in her life. She is just she's freaked out, she's terrified. And the kid driving this boat is wearing shorts so so, sh- so short. So high. <laughs> so high. <laughs> and I guess like yeah, is he just showing off for the girl that's with him? Well, like, she really wants to drive, right? Oh, she wants to drive. Yeah, she wants to drive. She wants to drive the boat. Okay, but neither of them are watching where they're driving. No. And I have to say, okay, so the idea is that they like drive into you know this boat with young Angela and Peter and their father, and well. The whole thing about Angel and Peter, and that's the that's their father. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we won't question too much of this. Now setup. wait a minute. Is now I'm getting confused with just like don't worry about it. Oh, I'm, I'm here I, because that's out most of it. Because okay. it's like, is that Angela though? Because I thought that Angel was the name that Aunt Martha gave her. Sure. Well, or him, him. Well, like hence the twist of the movie. Mike, take it. Yes, that is absolutely true. We actually don't know what Angela's name is. We find out yeah. later that uh, Martha uh, names Peter um, Angela. Angela. So, yeah, we don't really know the name. Right. We don't know the names of either of the kids. Well, we know his name is Peter because mm-hmm. she refers to him Peter's as such. sister bites the dust. She gets run over by the boat with the dad. Yes. We get that terrifying scream. <laughs> I mean... Suffice it to say, there's a boating accident. There were two kids and a dad and and a mystery man on the shore. Yes. And he says that we have to go see the, the dock. And then it hints at that... Um, he says the dock is coming, Aunt right? Martha, I believe... Is she in the medical profession? Is she a doctor? Yes, she's a doctor. He is. Yeah, he's referring to doc. And then the, then Peter says... Is Ricky coming? And the father's like, no, he's staying with his dad this weekend. Okay. So young Ricky, the, their their cousin that we eventually 
becomes a main character of this movie. So again, suffice it to say, there's there's a boating accident. There were two kids and 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 a, a father, and they all go into the water, and only one comes out. And we see at this point we get introduced to Aunt Martha. I love Aunt Martha. This woman. I love what she's given to this role. <laughs> this is just like you have a small character on the page, and she just like makes it real, really pop. She adds a lot of she's drag. Really in it for five minutes, and and she's so memorable. If you notice, oh the way she performs is super interesting because she's really a caricature. Yes, everyone's playing natural. She's the only person in the movie that's like so out there, and yeah. it's outrageous. And her outfit, oh yeah, uh, is yeah. It's like a, almost like it's like a tennis outfit. It's like white, right? With like a beret. A beret I mean, yeah. it's just it's so weird. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, and okay, so the, at this point, we just flash right to you know the present of 1983, and we and we find out that Aunt Martha has her son Ricky, and then the surviving child is we are to believe the girl, the daughter, who is Angela, and they're both teenage age, and we're going off to camp. Yes. Okay, and this thus starts the events of the movie. But Angela's whole thing is that she's traumatized. She's afraid of the water, right? Because she doesn't like going in the water at camp. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming she has like a whole thing with water because that's where like her father and sibling were killed. And she's she's not mute, but she just voluntarily doesn't talk a lot. You got it. Her performance. Of just kind of these vacant stares. Every now and then I kind of, uh, I'm kind of on Judy's side. Just like, just fucking talk. (laughs) Because, Uh. because she's giving, I mean, the idea is that she's traumatized. She doesn't speak a lot. She's just very much like, you know, maybe shouldn't even be introduced to this camp yet because she's just been through it. But these vacant stares, man, sometimes I'm just like. Yeah. Angela, give me something. Mm-hmm. Well, we make it to camp. Favorite. I will say, though, my favorite stare, though, is when um, Angela's talking to the boy, Paul. Yes. She's interested. And he leaves because I want to say Meg and Judy walk up, or one of them, and she's, like, smiling. She's like, goodbye. And then she turns to them, and literally her face changes completely. <laughs> Into the, like blank stare. It's such a bitchy move, and I love. It. <laughs> yeah, because when she's with Paul, it's like nothing's wrong. Yeah, she's happy. Yeah, she's happy. She's like having a ball, and you know, I, I see it. Paul's cute. So I didn't realize until this viewing is that Paul's the one that you see his little kid butt. Oh, you see Paul's buns several times in this movie. But like, but it's that whole uh, camp prank thing. Where he pulls down his pants. Oh yeah, and the guy's face hits it. And Mozart smacks his face in his butt. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. little like thirteen-year-old ass. Well, Paul's probably that actor's probably like fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> Poor Mozart. What did he do? <laughs> he was just playing video games. He didn't want to play baseball. He was just sitting in the field. You know, yeah, just standing in the field. He was interested. He's got his like electronic football like handheld game. <laughs> this this kid definitely feels like he should be a part of uh, the group from What Hot American Summer. Mozart or Paul? Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
when we meet the kids when they first get to camp, I don't even know what to make of these. There's so much going on. I love when all of the kids run off the bus and they're just running full sprint, full sprint towards the lake or the cabins. And and meanwhile, uh, Mel and Ronnie are just in there like screaming stuff. The kids are obviously not paying attention no. to them. And then we just get introduced to Ronnie's shorts. Yeah. Oh, Ronnie. He's got the tiniest waist ever. At one point, yeah. he, he looks like he's wearing shorts that like a Hooters girl should wear. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely oh, the yeah. style. Yeah. <laughs> you could definitely see everything in those shorts. <laughs> yeah, the amount of shorty shorts with like a midriff crop top, crop top t-shirt on the boys. Like, I love that look. Countless. You know, last night we also uh, took a trip with uh, Ernest to camp. We watched Ernest Goes to Camp. And half the boys in that movie were wearing the crop top t-shirt. I love it. Bring it back. That look needs to come back. I mean. I don't know if I could do it, but I I would look at that. Yeah. Crop tops and, like, mesh shirts. I love the, I love the super Italian looking guy that is the counselor in charge of the boys' bunk. I like what he's serving in this movie. And he's hairy. Yes. Like, he's very swarthy. He's dark and hairy. <laughs> he's got like Tony Danza hair. Oh, man. Yeah. So everybody, all these kids are like running down, like running at full sprint, kind of on a downhill angle towards like the, the cabins or whatever. And this is where we first get introduced to like the disgusting like cook guy who's fully just like, oh, yeah, here they come. These children. For me to bang. Crazy. And the other cooks are just like, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, you. Classic. They're like, they don't even know what you're talking about. Classic and so-and-so. Like, chicken. Chickens. Oh, my God. Look at them chickens. And that's one of those things that I sometimes have to second guess or, like, wake myself up when I'm revisiting this movie because I'm so used to how crazy it is. Yeah. That I sort of have to check myself. Oh, no, this is insane. This is inappropriate. This is a little wrong. <laughs> oh, totally. I laugh, though. Even the first time I watched it, I kind of laughed. You have so, to. Like, what is this? What is the line that he says where he says, like, oh, we got a saying for them? He says something oh, yeah. about... It's He's like, we call them baldies or something. Yeah, baldies. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's so cringy. <laughs> but it's so great. And he looks so disgusting. He's, he... like, cruising all the kids running by. Oh, my God. Like, Giving like light kisses to the air, yeah, and like lips, and it's like, oh my god, what movie is this? Yeah, who would have thought to put that little subplot into this this movie? Oh man, so I mean, maybe at that point, you know, when he finally does get his and falls into a boiling vat of you know oil or whatever, at that point, you at the audience are like, all right, you know, he's fully a child molester, he deserves it, and it eases you into just like murder. <laughs> Child murder. Justified. Yeah. Because by the end of this movie, some of these kids do, I mean, those campers who get hacked up with the hatchet, I what know. did they do? What's up with that? They threw um, sand at Angela. They're the ones that threw yeah. sand at her? Okay, yeah, when, see. when she got thrown into the water. Okay. That makes sense then because I did not put those two together. Because, yeah, those kids did throw sand at her. And I was like, fuck you, little sand-throwing shitheads. And nobody helped when, like, Meg and and Judy are, like, throwing her in the water. They're just sitting there staring. Yeah. Yeah. Literally okay. watching the whole thing. And there's, like, a lifeguard, like, a couple feet away. <laughs> so mean. 
It's so mean. This is a very mean movie. It's a very mean movie. But he does he does call Meg a peckerhead, which I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meg and Judy. I love I love the idea of calling a girl a peckerhead. I don't know why. That's so funny. It's good. Meg, you you're a real peckerhead. And she looks like hurt. She looks genuinely like, well fuck. Maybe I am a peckerhead. And also Meg Meg has a lot going on too. M E G. She's in this sordid affair with the guy that runs the camp. What's his name? The camp the head Mel. 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 Why uh. does Meg love Mel? So I get the whole like she's like the Lolita. She's like trying to sleep with the older men. But Mel though of everyone, Mel. I, I know, but I guess you know, he was the owner though. True. Maybe she's like a gold digger, she's trying to climb the ladder. She's trying to get yeah, that like, like camp property. She was excited though. That was the weird thing. Like even watched this movie again last night. She's like super excited. Like she walks in, she says hi to Judy, and she's like, "I have a hot date tonight." And oh she's my like, god! With who? She's like, "Secret." Like she's so <laughs> plant, very coy. Like she's excited. Yeah. To jump on this old man. Yeah. But but Judy knows though. Like she gives her like a like a head shake, and she like, knows. Oh yeah, it's Mel. Uh we have we have a little clip of Meg's intro, which mm-hmm. is kind of great. Do you want to hear that? It's now? pretty iconic. All right, ladies, let's hurry it up and unpack so we can get these chunks the hell out of here. By the way, for those of you who don't know, the name is Meg. M E G. I love so, spelling out your name. <laughs> so that's the level of acting that we spelling that we're out with. a three a three letter name. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Just in case you weren't clear, she's she's the head bitch in charge. There's another counselor in this bunk that's kind of like tries to calm Meg down a lot, and I think she's do, she's doing the Lord's work. That actress is very much like totally. I mean, I think she she's the only really nice one of of all the female counselors. Yes, she very much like goes to uh, um. Angela, sorry. She very like she goes to Angela and very, and asks her if she's okay, you know, like do you need anything? You know, if you don't have to get in the water if you don't want to, kind of a thing. Where Meg is just like, Fuck this bitch. She's ruining my summer. <laughs> I'm throwing her in the water, all because she doesn't talk to me. Um Yeah, she's like this little bitch bitch isn't even talking to me. And she gets so crazed about it, and I love it. It's so pressing her button. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's I mean they probably didn't set it up that way that Angela's doing this to get a rise out of her, but it reads that way. That she's doing it all on purpose, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, we have to talk about Judy. I love Judy. I love what this actress oh. is giving in this movie. <laughs> this is some, like, John Waters brilliance style of acting. And it's one of those things that, like, did the director get this performance out of her? Did this actress just come to set and just be like, this is how I'm going to deliver all of these lines? <laughs> I think so, actually. Like, I, I, I don't think there was really much of a sculpting of, of character except no. playing the mean girl. But, I mean, there's so many choices that hair. Oh, my God. Stunning. So much hair. And she's all just legs. <laughs> and we get introduced to her. She's literally being surrounded by like four or three older boys. Yes. And like, Judy, hey, Judy. And she just turns and she's like, hi. hi. And turns right back around. <laughs> she's such a bitch, but I love it. And she's all after all the boys. Well, okay. Right. And the big through line 
early on in the movie is that, hey, get a load Check of Judy. Out Judy. She like filled out and she's got the big cans now from last summer. Meanwhile, they're okay. The actress who plays Judy. <laughs> well, I'm not body shaming. <laughs> I don't see what these boys are so worked up about. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> she puts out. That's all. Yeah, she puts out. That's all they need to say. And she she had um, had some makeout sessions with with Ricky the yes, summer before. The previous summer, Judy and Ricky have a past, right? Right. Uh, Ricky, I I like Ricky. I like the choices that he makes. He kind of has some emotional issues. He's got some rage. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, who says that Angela was the only killer? This is. Also yeah. true. We just watched a uh, YouTube video moments before this began where they were just kind of talking about, you know, the making of and the ins and outs and all that. And um, they talked about fan theories that, yeah, maybe Angela wasn't the only one. Well, because they would use the actor who played Ricky as a double whenever they would have Angela kill someone. Yeah, actually. So uh, Phyllis's mom didn't want her to be, you, you know holding a knife at somebody. So they used Ricky, yeah, to uh, fill in that role. Which I like because it's it's kind of a misdirect, too. Totally. And then even watching it last night, I mean, there's a moment with Mozart with the knife, and then I realized that's the same knife that starts killing people in the rest of the movie. So it's like either Ricky's a part of it or he told Angela everything. Yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't think about that either. Now, do you think they consciously, well, they had to have consciously cast the two of them, two actors that looked so similar to each other? I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Because they do. I, I feel like it's crazy that they they do resemble each other quite a lot. Oh, totally. They totally look like they could be family members. Yeah. And, you know, there is that, there is that one shot of the killer let's say i think i think when he's coming after judy i think it's either judy or um or meg where they're silhouetted in the door frame it's judy yeah and it's just like is it because of our uh you know modern day high definition televisions that we're just like oh that's ricky because it's 100 percent ricky right yeah, it's definitely Ricky. It actually looks like Ricky with a wig on. Yes, it does. Um, it looks like he's wearing this weird mullet wig. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, but I would think that they would have, like, at least even on Blu-ray releases, tried to tone that down. But, I mean, it's clear as day, though. Yeah. That's Ricky. Because we just have – it's a DVD, right? Yeah. So we just have the DVD. And I guess that our DVD has cut scenes of the movie, which we just found out. Yeah. I guess that when you get the Scream Factory edition, they extend the boys skinny dipping scene and uh I can't remember what else. But yeah, they they left out scenes of the movie. Yeah, they they uh also shortened a scene where one of the boys with the snake coming out of his mouth when they find his body. Oh, sure. I almost wonder if it was a print that was given to uh Anchor Bay or whatever films did this DVD if it was probably a cut that they had to submit to the MPAA that had stuff trimmed down. I don't know. No, yeah, nothing. Nothing was cut out of the movie. For some reason, they just had a print, and it ended up just being cut. There really wasn't no any explanation from it. I remember when that disc came out, people were like, "Where are these scenes?" Um, <laughs> I guess people were really missing that one shot of the group of 
men from behind naked jumping into the lake because that was definitely not on that disc. Mm-hmm. And, and you see more butt in this movie than anything else. I was going to say the amount of teenage boy butt in this movie is crazy. There's, there's no breasts. There's no boobs no. anywhere. <laughs> and it's like these – they're like young actors in tidy whities jumping in water. That – What? <laughs> they're all about yeah. showing off those those white cotton hands. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of buns in this movie, and I feel like I missed out seeing this as a young kid because I definitely would have paused the shit out of it um, in those skinny dipping scenes. Now, did you go to summer camp? I did go to summer camp. Did you go to a summer a- camp like this movie? Not like this. Not a sleepaway camp. It was just a day camp, and I also grew up on Long Island. And- ah. So if you notice, like, everyone has an accent, obviously, a New York accent. Yes, yeah. That was another reason why I kind of connected to it, um, just being from Long Island and also being around those types of people. You know, even the adults that were in the movie. Not, not the chef, um, <laughs> Artie, but, but everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to that. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I related to it. <laughs> so I went to summer camp. I did probably about a week at a christian bible camp which is kind of funny because i feel like the whole christian bible thing was just sort of tacked on it was just summer camp when it came down to it yeah now was yours a sleepaway or was it, it was. a day camp yep it was a sleepaway. it was a sleepaway camp and did you have like a picture of like your parents under your pillow that you would just like cry yourself to sleep with every night hell no i was used to being like i was used to being like left alone and like, damn latchkey kid i was defend for yourself i was used to age. like being separate i mean i was just used to going away Sure. From my family, so I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, all I can say is uh, that that is some white people shit, and I did not uh, go to any sort of summer (laughs) camps. I was home helping my grandmother clean the bathroom like I was supposed to. So... (laughs) So, uh, well, moving on. We've We've got Meg. We've got Judy. I mean, Judy... We could do a whole episode just on... Her looks. So is Judy's accent, is that a New York accent? That's a I long, was, it's a Long Island accent. A Long accent. Island accent? E, yeah, but not not as thick. Mm-hmm. Definitely not as thick. Like, you could tell a lot of people have that. I used to have it, too. Um, <laughs> and if you ever hear my mother, you could hear it so and so much. Oof. <laughs> That's awesome. We have a couple of nights where there's like, uh, okay, so there's a social Right. I love how ghetto this mess hall looks. There's like graffiti on the walls. They, oh man. Yeah, they went in and they shot this summer camp as is. Like they did not do one damn thing to dress this, like at all. There's like, these walls are tagged up. This looks like it hasn't seen a, a, a drop of paint since like the 60s. I love this camp. Um, how long is this movie? I have, it's probably like it's not I, 90 minutes. Is it even? Yeah, 90 that's minutes? what I was going to say, like 90 minutes. Because yeah, 84, yeah, 84 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that baseball scene is a full <laughs> 15. You're watching this. You're watching this baseball game. That's for sure. Oof. They actually did. OK, so um, my mistake, they did actually cut out some extra minutes. So, like, in the beginning of the movie where you had, like, the audio over the campground, the dessert campground. Sure. That was audio from stuff that was removed that they didn't end up using from more baseball footage. Wow. That pitcher in that crop top. 
Oh, those mm-hmm. pants? Yep. I mean, the shorts, <laughs> I mean, they are so short. Like, I couldn't even see if he even had a dick. Um, <laughs> he was tucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the baseball scene is crazy. And I love, there's um that really cool, uh, or cool, but I just love the conversation that Mel has with Ricky, where he just kind of casually, like, corners Ricky and ultimately is trying to get him to, like, admit that Ricky's, like, the killer. And Mel's just like, so, how's, uh, you know, how's camp? Like, how do you like it? And Ricky says something to the effect of, like, there's not enough guys around. And when he says there's not enough guys, I'm like, what? And then he's like, yeah, it's hard to get a good ball game going. And I was, oh, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's, like, one bunk of girls in this entire camp. And it's all right. boys. But yeah, he specifically says it's hard to get a good ball game going when they devoted a third of this movie to this baseball game. This guy blows dead dogs. That's a burn at the baseball game. Wow. Blows dead dogs. I gotta start using that. See, I, I love uh the line like he's like, eat shit, Ricky, and he's like, eat shit and live. Yeah. Eat shit and, and die. Like, oh, no, eat shit and live. <laughs> Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my vernacular. It's gonna it's gonna go out there. I'm gonna tell people to eat shit. Um, yeah. So I guess the baseball game kind of it doesn't really introduce us to Mozart, but is it there to just illustrate Ricky's like temper? I don't know. Mozart saves the day, and he and he catches that fly ball and wins the game. Yeah. Well, it also kind of establishes like Ricky as hate towards the older guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doing a lot more stuff. To, you know, they threw a water balloon at Angela. Right. So it's kind of setting up this, um, you know, versus type yeah. of dynamic. Do you know what I love in this movie that you never see in movies now? Are little kids cussing, but just like actually how like a 13-year-old kid would cuss. Yeah. Makes me smile. That's how <laughs> kids talk. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. It you is never like see that in movies now. Yeah. Do kids even still talk? Like that, because I remember growing up for me, like, yeah, kids were still, like, pretty foul-mouthed. Like, they were, like, sailors. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, it's like, and I have a potty mouth to this day, because like a damn sailor. And, um, yeah, it definitely, it just stems from when I was a kid. And just, like, seeing that on the playground, just being like, oh, man, you can just curse freely out here. <laughs> <laughs> Such <laughs> an adult yeah, on the playground. Yeah, it's like when you watch the Bad News Bears and you listen to all of those kids cuss. Well, yeah, that's like the prime example mm-hmm. of, like, of foul mouth children. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there, there's some, there's some really great swears in this. Some really good burns, and yeah, you don't really see that a lot in movies anymore. Um, and they, they swore, uh, they swore a blue streak in it. In uh, in the last two it movies, so, but I think that they those were also set in the eighties, so maybe they were like trying to you know illustrate that whole like, and they're getting their R rating anyway, so yeah, and that, they felt that like they could a, go there. That movie's a hard R. I mean, I feel like a hard R is probably on the cusp of of an X, possibly X, getting yeah. either an X <laughs> or an NC seventeen, and I guess the director was pretty sure that this movie was going to come back. With a an X rating, an X rating, and they got it back as an R. It's not that gory. I mean, if you think about it, like it's not like you see like blood and guts, especially in comparison to like Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. And if you're going to compare this to Friday the Thirteenth, now I I 
love the Friday movies. I think they're super entertaining. But, I mean, that said, but what I like about Sleepaway Camp is that there always feels like something is happening. You know, like when you watch Friday the 13th and it feels like I am 30 minutes in and there is nothing happening in this movie. But this movie just feels like something consistently is going on. Yeah, some I agree. Of- yeah, some of the some of the Friday the Thirteenth sequels are paced very slowly, and I don't know. Maybe it's because of the length of this movie. It's it's pretty briskly paced. There's just like boom, boom, boom. We've got a lot going on, and um, they waste no time. No, well, I mean, maybe they wasted a little bit in the baseball scene, but <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got uh, you know, fluff up that running time just a little, just bit. a little bit, and we got and we got to see all of the. The shorty shorts and midriff, yeah. midriff t-shirts, the cutoffs. Oh, um, my favorite look of the movie mm-hmm. is from the beefy assistant camp counselor when he's wearing that red number that's pinstriped and it has the collar on it. Do you remember that look? Where is he wearing it? Um, I think it's t- kind of towards the last half of the movie. Is it short? Is it like no sleeves? Yeah, it's no sleeved. It's cut off. Is it Ron? Yeah, Ron. And it's red, and it has like it has the collar on it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was that was like uh, a little bit more early on in the film. I think mm-hmm. actually right before the whole dynamic with Angela and the uh, um, Ar- Artie the chef. <laughs> but yeah, I um, that scene though. Yeah, I know which outfit you're talking about because I was like, I can see his dick. Like it's hanging <laughs> to the right. Yeah, <laughs> it is hanging to the right. He may or may not be cut. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my goodness! And those shaved legs too. Because I mean, I mean, I take it this guy was a bodybuilder, so we just oh, shaved his legs. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's actually one funny shot where Mel is talking to Ricky that that scene you were talking about, and you could see Ronnie in the background just lifting weights, just yeah. trying to <laughs> the hot sun in between them, and it just had me cracking up. It's like that's what he's doing right now. It's just, <laughs> Through this whole movie. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I, we could talk a little bit about the very first kill in this movie because we, we talked a little bit about this gross, you know, cook. Um, why does Mel give Angela to him in the first place? Because she doesn't want to eat anything. There. Okay. Yeah. So he, he's like, you know, this one's going to help you out take her he gets angela takes her to like you know a storeroom or a fridge or something and just completely starts unbuckling his pants like waits waits no time so she gets away like ricky comes in and saves her right right okay so ricky comes in and saves her and then we cut to him alone making i don't know some Corn. corn Yeah, he's boiling corn he's boiling in the water. largest pot I've ever seen in my life. It's like those pots when, like, like Bugs Bunny would be sitting in it, and they're, like, cutting up potatoes and, like, onions. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, so huge. Pot. On this uh, stool that does not look safe. No, on a rickety stool <laughs> above, you know, just, like, seasoning up this, like, this boiling vat. I love whenever somebody sees the killer, and they're just like, oh. You, what are you doing here? Yes. It's it's very much like, hmm, you again. Yeah, they all they all react to, to the killer in the in the same kind of way. And they never say they never it's the, the dialogue is very much like, hmm, what are you doing? Well, he sees the killer, they pull the 
stool, chair, ladder, whatever it is out from under him, and he gets completely, you know, covered in boiling water and is just screaming bloody murder. It's pretty good makeup, too. For being like a low budget movie, it looks pretty good. Oh, it's great. Yeah, actually, because there's like a cutaway and then it cuts back to him screaming. You can actually see like boils like raising on his face. I was like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, I did notice that, that they put in bladders and stuff to make the boils move. I, I, and um, that's fun. Later on, when they find the boy in the water, like his whole face with like the snakes coming in and out of it and all that, there are some mm. really interesting like. Uh, Appliances is what they call them in the biz. Mm-hmm. So Mel is ju- Mel is less concerned that one of his employees died than he is about like the publicity. He can't have this can't be closed. Yeah, ex- exactly. It was an accident. Um, yeah, but th- he didn't actually. I, I'm curious why didn't he like say who did it to him? Because he he didn't die. Because there's a whole That's scene true. where he's like he's going to be in a lot of pain. And they, like, wheel him out with his, like, hands bandaged and his whole body actually bandaged. Like, still screaming. The back yeah, still screaming. I'm like, if he could scream, he could kind of say who it is. But I guess that would ruin the movie. So I guess that's That's a true. I never thought about that plot hole. No one went to- I love that the, the ambulance that carries him out, you can tell that's the real EMTs, that they just got as extras. Like, did they just call nine one one? They're like, come right away. I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was a small it was a small community. Everybody wanted the wanted the chip in and help, so they yeah, just got EMTs to be extras. About that was like horror movie comes to town, and yeah, that's all legit. There's there's some real people. They let them use like the police cars and the ambulances. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. Um, is this where we get introduced to the mustachioed police uh, officer? <laughs> uh. A little later, but let's talk about him. He's oh great. man, I love him. Mm-hmm. His delivery. What does he say? Like, now I'm no, I'm no expert <laughs> about like the drowning. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but it looks and to me so me to him through the whole thing. I just every time I think of him, I just think of how he shows up later in that movie in that one shot where he's shocked from seeing a body. Yeah, <laughs> and we look at his mustache. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and it's just like tape with some fur on it. This is definitely. I some mean, dollar store. If you thought uh, Henry Cavill's upper lip was distracting in uh, the <laughs> Justice, Justice League, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they just couldn't wait for him to, to grow a whole new mustache again. So. So they went to a, a grocery store parking lot and put some quarters in the machine. I feel like at that point, like, why even bother? Just film him without the mustache. He shaved it. Or just not do a close-up. Yeah. Just, they could just have him, like, reading a newspaper and just, like, slowly lowering. <laughs> yeah. Have something to obscure it. Yeah. A cape, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it would have worked. It would have worked a lot better than than the fake mustache we got. So the first murder is the chef. Then we don't kill anybody for a while. The second murder is on the lake. It yeah. is the boy that was bullying Angela. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what is the little song that he's singing? Hey, hey Bob, Bob. <laughs> what? Hey, like, I don't know what the heck. What song is that? That is on Long Island. Though. Yeah. Right. 
Maybe they just couldn't get the rights to something. They're like, that sounds, you know, like vaguely, you know, Shanana, what the kids at the time would have been listening to. I love the dynamics of the boys that want to go skinny dipping and the girls that are just like, uh, no thanks. And the boys yeah, are just, just like, well, well, fuck all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, the boys are just like, okay, well, we'll just go skinny dipping with each other. We'll go look at each other's dicks. <laughs> Why not? Well, those were the days. Those were the days. So this one boy was bullying Angela at the canteen, right? In the mess hall. In the mess hall. Yeah, they were trying to get with her or try to get like a reaction from her. So like yeah. he was trying to hit on her and then like the other guy attempted without success either. So he lures some girl onto uh, a canoe. I love I love that girl. I don't like how you just said that. <laughs> Also, this canoe seems like it's just made of fiberglass, and it looks like it very dangerous. It does not look like it's seaworthy. I guess that when the guy went overboard on it, they had to rush him to the ER because he cut his hand. Oh, I didn't even when know the that. when the canoe flipped over. Because that canoe looks like it's made of fiberglass, and it looks like it's like chipping, you know, and like old like. Uh, like uh, bleacher seats that like fiberglass when it start getting thin, like the edges. Yeah, that'll slice you up, dude. Oof. Yeah, this camp, the, the facilities leave a lot to be uh, desired. And Mel, frankly, is lucky that... It's definitely not up to code. No, he is lucky that no. like, the health department or somebody is not coming over here shutting him down for various reasons. Well, well actually, it's funny because in that kitchen scene, I, when I was watching again, I was like, wow, look at all these like fly tapes hanging from the ceiling oh god like in every shot even when there's a close-up i'm like did that fly tape move so it would be in that shot yeah <laughs> it's almost like, like three yeah it's almost like the fly tape is the only like set dressing in the movie and it's so disgusting <laughs> it's great like they couldn't take that out of these shots so gross so this uh the hey baba rebop kid what does he say about like water snakes He's, like, trying to scare the girl about, like, water snakes, like... Ugh. Yeah, and they starts rocking the canoe back and forth. Yeah. So then, like, he's underneath the capsized canoe, and, like, the head slowly comes up. Very, like, predator. Like, the head, like, comes up out of the water. And he does the same thing. He's like, oh, you. What are you doing here? Just wait till the guys find out about who I just saw. And what does she do to kill him? Just dunk his head underwater. She just drowns him. No real sense. Yeah, this boy seems to be stronger than her. But that's another reason why they think it's Ricky because Angela doesn't like the water. There you go. Yeah, she doesn't like the water. See, this movie's smarter than than I give it credit for, at least. <laughs> so I guess that <laughs> the girl Rex. in the canoe with him that falls in the water and then she gets out. I guess that yeah. it's a different girl that gets out of the water. I guess that it's a different actress. It if is. you watch really close, I need to rewatch this again. Oh my god! Don't pay attention to that. Don't pay mm-hmm. that close attention. The gaff squad over here. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. So we have some more stuff with you know Angela not wanting to participate in other you know volleyball. So you're sort of, uh, even though you're not quite as nasty as Judy and Meg, you are kind of like, well, fuck Angela. Are you just going to sit on the bench and just flirt with the boys while we have to play volleyball? Yeah, because like at camp, you kind of have to participate in stuff. 
right? I would assume that they don't just let you do whatever the hell you want. I feel like if I went to this camp, it would be like prison style that I would zero in on Meg and Judy and I would have to get with them. Like you have to make to be friends. friends with them you so they to, wouldn't fuck with you. Yeah, you have to make friends with like the you have to make friends with like the biggest badass. But you would just end up being like their lackey and just like mm-hmm. getting shit for them. Yeah, <laughs> you could you couldn't keep up with their mean bitch attitudes. So the clip that we have, Angela doesn't feel like going in the water. Is that where they throw her in? Yeah, that's a little later. Mm-hmm. About it, Angela. Let's go for a swim. What's the matter? You afraid? Huh? Huh? Well, say something, you spoiled little bitch. It's a problem. My good friend, Angela here, doesn't feel like going in the watch today. No, she doesn't, does she? Well, I think I can fix that. No, stop it! Let me get out! In the entire time that... Meg has Angela over her shoulder and she's walking down the pier to throw her in the water. Judy is like all up in Angela's face. She's wearing a really fierce bathing suit too. <laughs> I think she's wearing the black and white one piece. Sure. Mm-hmm. But but Judy's all up in her face like taunting her and teasing her and like calling her a baby and all that. And it's like, come on, just grab her hair. Like Angela, Angela has plenty of opportunities to just like poke her in the eyes. Yes, yeah, Angela's just like kicking, like yeah. Idly. All she has to do is grab a hold of Judy, like pull her down. Done. You're not a goddamn prima donna. <laughs> I love that line. And there's also like a line that she says, like she like, oh, you don't want to get that beautiful bod in the water. And I'm like, oh, is that a diss? <laughs> yeah. Well, they also set up earlier that Angela doesn't shower with the rest of the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's is, also a really good scene. So where does Angela shower? Does she shower in the in the? I have questions about the shower that that Meg meets her untimely demise in. It's a vacant cabin, I think. Yeah, it, no. She kind of makes the the way the line is set up. It sounds like that she doesn't shower with them. That she does shower. Yeah, but like. During the same time. Just during the day. Okay, yeah. Right. And if she's not participating, then they could all be off at volleyball and she can go and take a shower. Sure. All right. But also, this does beg the question, where is Meg showering? It was... Um, and if there's a vacant shower, why are all these girls in line for this? This is true. <laughs> true. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. we, needed, we needed to get Meg alone. But she's getting yeah, ready for her, her hot date with disgusting Mel. He's, he's going to make her dinner. At 9 or 9.30. <laughs> yeah. And I, <laughs> he's so excited in that shower, too. She's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's... Like, what the hell is she doing? Who showers like that? And what are you humming? I mean, if she's just if if you were getting, you know, getting ready for this dinner date with Mel, I think you'd be just as just as jazzed. Um, I love that it's when she goes to tell him like, "Oh, it's my day off." You know, you said you'd like take me to dinner. And he's like, "Okay." And then yeah, he's like <laughs> 9 or 9:30 and they're like, "Okay. Well, which one?" Is it 9 or 9:30? <laughs> Cuz like that's a big difference. 
Mm-hmm. And that's okay. a little late for dinner for me. And again, morning. yes, that's so late for dinner. Um, now, does the guy who gets killed by the bees? That's the that's the day before. <sighs> yeah, right? that's the day before. Forgot about the and, guy that gets. And killed he's by the, the one that throws the water balloon, Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that's shirtless they, like, on the roof. Yep. And he's got to take a mean dump. He's like a, a wicked dump. A wicked. I, I remember. I remember growing up and hearing guys talk like that and just being like repulsed and scandalized <laughs> by all of that. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know. I don't want anybody to know. Yeah. <laughs> Please have had some of the girls talk like that. <laughs> I have to go pee. Like, okay. I gotta go take a whiz. <laughs> you hate that uh, whiz. Yeah. <laughs> So Angela finds a full-on like beehive on a stick, like <laughs> Yogi Bear style. This this has to like take some planning because okay, he's got to take the wicked dump. Sure, so she like locks him in to the stall with like a chopstick. It's like the thinnest like piece of wood you can find. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it's a broom handle, but it is like the babiest, thinnest broom handle. It's made of like a twig. I'm just saying a full-grown teenager could have like broken through that door. Right. Then, So she locks him in. Then she's got to go find a beehive and it's on a stick and like... Unless she had it just found earlier in the week and she just put it by a tree somewhere. Yeah. And she was going to come back for it. All I'm saying is this death took some prep. Because there was, like, work that went into it. And um, these are some sort of, like, killer alien bees. Because they not only sting him to death, but they, like, bore into his skin. He is severely allergic or something. Because his skin is, like, demolished. Yeah, it's, like, gone. It's, like, in his eyeball and stuff like that by the time it cuts away. Yeah, they're... It looks cool, though. I mean, right? No, it does. It looks cool. It looks great. It's, like, fully disgusting. Um, it's, you know, it, it's successful makeup, but the but it looks like, like bullet holes. That's another one down. Meg's death is another one that's kind of crazy. She gets stabbed when taking the shower. But again, are these shower stalls made of, like, rice paper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, so... I've, with this movie, I've also showed it to many others who have seen it. Um, and my friend Christina and I like to act out Meg's and Judy's death scene. Oh, yes. If you notice with Meg's death scene, it's like you see the knife like cut into whatever it is. Sure. The metal that's supposed to be. But it like it, the cut of her reacting to it, she's like, ugh, ugh. And she <laughs> keeps her head back and forth. And she's like, ugh. And so, it's bad, but you know it's funny at the same time. So oh, yeah, so good, lovable. <laughs> like if you you know if you were to be stabbed in the back, you wouldn't lurch forward, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she's just standing directly with her back. She just it. leans into it. Yeah. She. <laughs> and then her dead body. Is standing straight up in the same position until Mel comes to find her. And then it falls. Because it's not even like the knife is still stuck there holding her up. 
Right. Because uh, the killer pulls the knife out and cleans it off in the shower. I love that they like, I love that they rinse it off and the still running water with Meg still in there. Yeah, I didn't, I was always trying to figure out like why, like why was that necessary for that? Maybe it was to put the knife back? Yeah. I don't know. I'm was, reading into it too much. They're, they're homage <laughs> to really, Psycho. Yeah, maybe that's a little like nod to, mm-hmm. to Norman Bates somehow. I don't know. But, Judy's death is very drag. It just seems like a a drag queen death of curling iron in the vag. (laughs) So I remember Halloween one year, my friend Anna, who introduced us to this movie, she went out to the bars with all of us dressed as Judy. And she even had the T-shirt that said Judy. And she had the short shorts. (laughs) She had the hair like in the sideways pony. And she had and she would walk around with the curling iron and no one got it. Oh. I would have died. Yeah. Like, I yeah. I mean, were you at straight bars? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's your answer. <laughs> and would a curling iron in your vagina kill you? Kill you? I don't know. Although it's very like you, you never really see Judy's body. Like, did she survive? It, there's like one little shot where like after the scene plays out, the killer moves the bed and her body falls behind it. And then sure. Killer pushes it back to like hide it. Now hasn't hasn't there been fan shorts that this actress has done that bring her back? Yeah, and uh, I have not seen them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Judy's right on the disc. I know. I feel bad, but, but I like yeah. that this they actress is it? like super game. Oh yes, yeah, like twenty five years later. I want to meet her. I want to meet her. Oh. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think that my favorite part about Judy's death is that they just she gets socked in the face before it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> just punch oh. right in the right in the face. Just just act that out. You know, whenever you're watching this movie, just act that out because it's literally just like a dead pan punch. Yeah, like, across, across the camera, basically. <laughs> it wouldn't knock anyone out. No, it's just like. <laughs> no. I mean, but then that's that's how we get the opportunity to get the. The hot curling iron up the cooter. <laughs> I feel like I first was introduced to this movie hearing about this death. Okay. That's when it was when I was first when I first heard this movie talked about in college. Sure. I think that Darcy told me about this death mm-hmm. and how great it was. Well, I mean Judy Shirley, if anybody deserved it in this movie besides the the chef, maybe maybe Judy did because she was kind of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, she said to Angela, "You're a real carpenter's dream." dream. Flat as a board and needs a screw. Hey, Angela. Yes. How come you never take showers when the rest of us do? Huh? You queer or something? You haven't reached puberty yet. Is that it? I bet you don't even have your period. That's enough, Judy. Angela's allowed to shower in the morning or any other time she wants to. Yeah. She takes showers when no one can see. She has no hair down below. Judy! She's a real carpenter's dream. The lot is a board and needs a screw. That's enough! Fuck off! I mean... You want to talk about reading? <laughs> but like... 
she tells a counselor to fuck off. <laughs> she she deserved that slap. She deserved that slap at the very least. She deserved like you know no uh, no fruit cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fruit cup at dinner tonight. Can't be telling counselors to fuck off. But that's Judy. the scene. That's that's like that Oscar scene. Oh you know? my god! That's when everybody no, cheers no. when it's shown at like the Castro or something, yeah. and the audience just like <laughs> loses their goddamn mind when she says that line. Yeah. Now we've been to our share of movie revivals uh, in in theaters and and drive-ins and all of that. Uh, I'm sure this has been shown at the New Beverly. In yeah, because I'm sure say, that they have. We haven't seen this in a theater. Mike, have you been able to see this anywhere? No, yeah. unfortunately. I'm sure it's it's made some programming at the New Beverly or when the silent theater was a thing. Sure. But, you know, none of us have been have been lucky enough to see it on the big screen, on the silver screen. But, you know, there's there's still hope for the future. And also that's the thing is that a movie like this isn't as mainstream to be shown in some place like the Alamo Draft House or Cinespia mm-hmm. at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery because it's not quite yeah. like it's still a little more like underground. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And still shocking. Yeah. That's the <laughs> thing is that all of those all of the older classic 80s horror movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th, like while they're really fun, they're not really like shocking. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw is still yeah, pretty scary. Texas Chainsaw is still pretty fucked up, but yeah. Right. Or at least the first one was. And yeah, but none of had like, such a big reveal like that where it was like, what? Yeah. Because in that movie, we find out about Angela and the movie just ends. Yeah. Like, yeah. like done. we're done with this movie. We're dropping you off here. And it's like, huh? 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 Like you Scooby-Doo it. Yeah. Holding the yeah. head of, the, of Paul. Poor Paul. Oh, poor Paul. He got, he got, he got burned by Judy yeah, he and, and decapitated. He didn't deserve it. I mean, why does she kill Paul? Because he, he was kissing Judy. He was kissing Judy. But she tricked him. <laughs> yeah, well, he she screwed up still. Her feminine wiles. <laughs> She's a whore. She is, she is a whore. Um, I feel like we haven't gotten we didn't do our initial Aunt Martha clip. Yeah. But we have to talk a little bit more about Aunt Martha to get the final like flashback yes. to you know the ultimate reveal. So why don't we just play the the first Aunt Martha clip so we can get an idea of the acting styles. This is just a little preview woman. of how subtle this movie is. So yeah, <laughs> those are some acting choices. Mm. But 
later on in the movie, Angela has starts to have these kind of like memories from her youth. And we ultimately see that her and her her sibling yes. see her father and this man, his like homosexual lover, in bed. And I love this like black box theater like memory situation yeah. that's going on. Because at first they're sitting on the bed and he's pointing at her. Well, no. First we see them. We see oh, the, sure. Yeah. The dudes in bed caressing each other lovingly. And the two, the boy and the girl are like in the doorway looking and they're just giggling. And I mean, I don't think they're giggling because it's two men because they're little children. I think they're just giggling because they're like on top of each other in bed. They'd be giggling if it was a man and a woman. Agreed. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. But also what's interesting, well, that was different, you know, for a horror movie to show a gay couple. Yeah. Who oh, isn't God. a villain, really. Yep. yep. Um, that that was a kind of like a wow moment for me. And also even watching it last night, like I kind of acknowledged, because we see that guy in the beginning, the boyfriend or partner. Yeah. Um, and he went, when his, you know, he's, he sees his partner die, he's like, um, <laughs> but it kind of is a, they have a normal, not I want to say normal relationship, but. There's a normality. Like, it's yeah. obvious that the kids have a relationship. They're on this, you know, lake together as a family. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool and different for that time. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. And you don't necessarily know if the doc... I mean, maybe the doc does know about this relationship. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just very It's very ambiguous. You don't really know the backstory. But the weird thing about this flashback is after the two kids see the men in bed caressing. Then we get the two kids in a separate bed staring at each other and the boys like reaching out towards the little girl. What is going on there? Uh, well, he's pointing at Angela. Um, yeah. I think that for me, I kind of interpret that as being like, he knows. And he and I think he does know through the whole movie because he's very protective of her, okay. especially about the water thing. Um, he's like super duper protective of her. So that was my interpretation. So that. is that Ricky? Ricky pointing to okay. Angela. Okay, yeah. it's not Peter. Oh, I thought it was Peter pointing at okay his sister. Well, yeah. Yeah. Was it? Oh God, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it works either way. <laughs> Let's not think too hard about. it. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of went down like a rabbit hole. Yeah. Because I've watched this movie so many times. And, and, you know, I kind of look at just face value for what it is. And I was like, I'm going into this conspiracy theory rabbit hole of like trying to figure out and tie this movie together. But that's the beauty of it. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they, I mean, I feel like they did put a lot into the misdirects and, you know, the setups and the payoff and all of that. So they... It's pretty well executed as far as keeping the secret and the ultimate reveal at the end. Was there one last thing in the flashbacks? So they're diddling each other? Well, you get the whole – well, I mean, I guess it's right before Angela is revealed. You get the flashback Mm -hmm. with Aunt Martha meeting the little boy. Okay, yeah. It's in the separate flashback. Mm -hmm. It's in the separate flashback. When the little boy now has – 
well, it's just a child at this point because their entire head is wrapped in gauze. So you can't see the length of their hair or anything. So you don't know still that this is Peter that survived. And now the um and now the doctor, Aunt Martha, has decided, well, I've already got Ricky. I've wanted a daughter this entire time. So you, Peter, the surviving child, are no longer Peter. I'm going to raise you as Angela, my niece, Angela. And what in the? <laughs> I almost wonder if the script was conceived with this idea, and the writer director just worked backwards. Like this was like the seed of the idea that he had. Yeah, he he hasn't really gone into that like in depth from what I've read and heard. Um, he kind of just talks about how you know he's inspired to just write this type of movie in this environment and that was it and yeah. really just focus on the children as being the form of entertainment rather than the counselors and the adult, but he hasn't the ending. It's weird. It doesn't, it's not really talked about on a writing perspective, filming yeah. perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. He claims that Friday the 13th gooped him because he had this movie written before those movies came out. So he says that he was onto the oh, whole summer camp summer horror camp. movie before that movie. Interesting. And also, Friday the 13th takes place like the week before camp. So all the kids aren't even there. Oh, yeah, that's true. So Felissa's mother is on set the entire time. She's she's taking care that her 13-year-old daughter is not shown on screen holding a knife. Yet, we have this final shot, which I know it's not Felissa, and it's a series of cutaways. So is that a prosthetic head? Honor? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a map. Yeah, it's That's a, crazy. Uh, well, it looks so good. Two, right? Is it like when it's just the neck up, it's actually Felissa, and then the full body? It's her, yeah. 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 Okay, can you explain a little bit about that? Because I am just dumbfounded and shocked, and I have no idea how this is achieved. Like, what the hell? Uh, so, in discussing how to shoot the ending... There, they decided to do a cast of her face. There were some discussions prior that is kind of like was up in the air about doing a strap on. Oh um, but Felicity's oh mom was like, no. <laughs> so, what they ended up doing was they created, you know, a, a mask uh, of, of Angela and they got a college kid, shaped him down. And shot the scene, and he had a bunch of beer before shooting the scene, and that's the story of that. And no one knows who that college kid is. Uh, no. He should be, like, working the rounds of, of horror conventions. <laughs> yeah, just sign the picture. This is mine. Angela's an dick. App. Wow. I mean, that's insane to me, because it's clearly, it's a it's a man's, or a, a man, it's a boy, it's a, a male body. And yeah, it's like, you can tell when they cut back and forth, you know, yes, from the neck up, it's her. And then I couldn't tell if it was a mask, if it was some kind of an optical, like a special effects shot where they, like a head replacement kind of a deal, because it's so dark. Yeah. But it's, well, it's successful. Yeah, the t- I can try to remember because they talked about like what kind of mask it was, like the type of um, material that they used. Because it was almost 
transparent Ugh. a little yeah. bit, like a latex, probably, or not latex, yeah. um, silicone, like a rubber. Are yeah. you wearing? Are you wearing the scene on your shirt? I am. I really am. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, this is a new shirt, so love it. I feel like I had to break it out for today. Yeah, for sure. The face that she is making, and the sound <laughs> that she is making in this these shots is like. It like never leaves you. You just, <laughs> yeah, it scars you. Oh, it's so good. It's such mm-hmm. a huge. And the only thing you hear is uh, oh that face. The sound effects, the vocalization, the the look on the face, like all of it, like put together, is so crazy, and it's just so jarring and. Yeah, like it just makes you feel like, whoa, what am I watching? Yeah. And if you don't know the reveal as you're watching it, it's just like, it's a gag. It is a gag. You don't see it coming at all. I didn't see it coming. But it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it does make sense. And the whole, uh, you know, theory of maybe it wasn't only Angela also makes sense. She could have been working, like Ricky could have been working with her. So, you know, Mel could have been onto something. But, um, yeah, this, the, those last shots of this movie are are insane. And like you said, it just ends. It's just the end. I I love the, I love the song that plays during the credits. But what else could we have gotten if it didn't just end there? I mean, are we going to get, like, some weird, like, psycho-style wrap-up with this, like, you know, this, like, psychiatrist giving us this, like, really horrible 80s, like, explanation of, like, you know, transgender identity that would have not aged well at all? (laughs) You know? Oh, 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 boy. Um, That's a whole other conversation about all that. But, yeah, yeah, I guess that's the only way they could have continued with that yeah because in the sequels i mean he the original director and writer sold off the rights and it kind of went into a different direction but but yeah i guess that would be the only thing but that but would that be necessary i guess it would could have fleshed out a little tiny bit more of just yeah. the motivation right yeah possibly but it is but it is maybe it's more memorable that it just ends that way that you're just like whoa yeah. you know you just have these questions about like what the hell because then it does make you question, you know, Angela, because now, now that we know Angela was, was born Peter and just was forced to become Angela by her aunt, you know, how attracted to Paul was she, you know, like how much of her initial, like, identity is there still so it's, it's a whole other thing oh it's so loaded i yeah. mean it's the, even when i brought up this and and you know i was like it's sky about it i was just like after i was like oh shoot there's so much in this movie to dive into yeah and there are people who think this movie is homophobic and transphobic um could this be done today Ooh. no, no. <laughs> yeah well well we might see it because it, it looks like it's moving forward in a reboot. A re- oh, wow. I've been reading about this reboot for a good 10 years now. 
that well i remember there was supposed to be a sequel around like the 2010s and now it's just a full reboot well there was yeah well there was returns there was the you know two and three yeah there was some movie that got axed um the fourth one and then there was return of sleepaway camp and and yeah this reboot's been in the works for a while but but it looks like it's not going to be a movie anymore. It's going to be a limited series on a streaming platform. Mm. Okay. So, that makes sense. Was yeah, there... it's going to take place now and still have the same characters. So it should be interesting. I'm curious how they're going to work this angle. Yeah. How are they? Yeah, I don't know. And I guess this is just the case. I was going to say, I guess this is the case with movies that um have gay men in it there's kind of crazy stuff like this like with angela that i guess the gay community just latches onto and just ends up owning just because it's just a part of pop culture and it's what people grew up on that you just sort of latch onto it even though there's wrong stuff in it you just tend to gravitate towards it like it's all we had yeah <laughs> the scraps that they threw at us <laughs> we'll just take and gobble up well I mean she was really taking revenge on the people that hurt her so mm-hmm. it's almost like Carrie in a way where sure. yeah. we can identify with maybe being bullied at one point in our life and you know obviously not taking that action but maybe <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And also there's like there's definitely some like male gaze in this movie with all of the with all of the boys. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. aside from just like all of the the teenage buns and like mm-hmm. crop tops and shorty and shorts. Shorty shorts. Buns. <laughs> but we also have like characters like Judy and Meg. Yeah. That are characters that we tend to gravitate towards in these movies that are just like over the top. (laughs) I mean, it's why Chris is my favorite character of Carrie. Because she gets all the best lines. This is true. Good point. This is true. I mean, yeah, this movie is loaded when it comes to some of the... (laughs) Yeah. Some of the issues as far as, you know, the 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 sexual identity of, you know, of the main character. <laughs> we won't even touch that. <laughs> you know, I I I've read different opinions about it like obviously through the years and and I have my own opinion and I really look at it as more so the danger of forced gender roles. Yes. On two- mm-hmm. Um, and the danger of it. So that's my personal opinion about that whole thing. Yeah. Um, other people have different opinions and some, you know, people think that it's totally transphobic and, and they're have every right to feel that way, you know, yeah, but, um, sure. you know, I don't think this was supposed to be a representation really. Oh yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a fun bit of like eighties horror. It's fun. B movie so- pulp. Yeah. Oh, and I love showing it to people who have never seen it before. I'm like, don't read anything about it. Yeah, I just be wearing the shirt. (laughs) Our our past guest Josh Clement had never seen this movie, and he watched it this week because I told him that we were doing Sleepaway Camp, and And he was he was gagged. (laughs) He was gagged. He messaged me like the moment the reveal was. Yeah, 
yeah, needless to say, this will this will do that to you, and it'll stick with you. This movie's like. For being a piece of like pulpy B movie kind of a throwaway thing, it, it's like, still talked about. It's still talked about. It'll stay with you. Um, do we have any final thoughts on this movie, Mike? Do you have, do you have anything that you'd like to wrap up? To, <laughs> I mean, how can you wrap it up? Um, just just you. If people haven't watched it, I definitely recommend just giving it a shot and have an open mind about it. There's so much love behind this movie. I've met Felissa three, four times. That's amazing. Um, She's totally, if you guys ever had the, have you guys had the opportunity to meet her? No, no, not yet. Oh, she is so, so sweet. And she's such a character. She's the type of girl where you would want to take her to the gay bar. Yeah. Or strip club and <laughs> shots with. Like, she's so bubbly and sweet. Um, and a funny story about it is um, the second or third time that I met her, and it was at conventions, um, I start walking up to her table and... She looks up at the corner of her eye and she said, is that Michael Toscano? And uh, I literally gasped, gay gasped, and clutched my pearls. Uh, like, did she recognize you from Instagram? <laughs> huh? And she recognized you from Instagram? Or from yes. your previous? and also from meeting her. Before. Oh, I love like, that. Because I met Frank, well, Maximo Sorrentino at another convention. And I met Jonathan, who plays Ricky. Um, and she asked me if I still was still in contact with sure. uh, Maximo. Sure. But she's super nice. Definitely recommend um, if you ever have an opportunity to meet her. She's all hugs. That's so cool. That's awesome. I feel like anytime I've seen her on social media platforms, people have nothing but great things to say about her. And one of the crazy things is that she is so young in this movie that, like, she looks amazing. Like, now. And it's just because she was such, she was a child when she made this, so it's like she's not really that old, like that much older than us. So she looks great. Um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely seen on social media that uh, people people love her, and um, and she's still around making those appearances at, at the cons. I so feel like, like, although if I was walked into a convention and there was the sleepaway camp section, I feel like Karen Fields' table. Would be the one that I would probably beeline to. Is that Judy? Judy. Oh well, there you go. Does she do? Does she do the cons? I don't know. Some, some. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity to meet her. I feel oh, like yeah. all of them, all, all of like the principal leads, have just embraced the legacy of the movie too. Yeah. Well, that's good. And I, actually, the last con that I went to in January—that was the last time I actually saw Felissa mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. They had a separate section just for the sequels. Like oh, wow. every, almost everybody from the sequels were were there. Was Bruce was... Springsteen's sister there? <laughs> no, she she, she <laughs> wasn't there. But everyone else pretty everyone much was. Else. She wasn't there, and Renee Estevez was not there. <sighs> Renee, we, we love Renee Estevez. Hi, Heather. Betty too. Finn. <laughs> wow. Um, well, it would have been wild to see Jane Kurkowski as Judy. <laughs> that's who originally auditioned and they wanted, but then they were just really taken with uh, with, with Karen Fields' audition. Yeah, I, mean, I can't blame them for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like she just she's just right for like this group of kids for just having this like long dark hair and just being like this little short loud mouth like. Hellion, <laughs> she she did a really good job. I mean, Jane Krakowski would have been amazing as well. She would have been a really good Judy. But 
But we got a good Judy. Was there any homages to Sleepaway Camp and American Horror Story 1984? I don't remember any. Did you watch 1984? I did. I, I actually did. I never finish a, the newer American Horror Stories, and I managed to finish that one. Yeah, I actually I was I was happy with that season. And it was kind of a mixed bag for me. <laughs> I liked all of the early episodes in the camp. But Gus Kenworthy, maybe he can, you know, take a couple acting classes. That's just my my uh <laughs> <laughs> That's just my two cents. Well, Scott, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up our sleepaway camp? I noticed on this version that I had an appreciation for full full orchestra score in this movie. Full orchestra score. It was not synthesized. It's a full score. Yeah. Wow, they got money for that. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie is dedicated to the director's mom, and the movie was funded with insurance money from her death. So, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there, isn't there a dedication card at the beginning of the movie? There's a dedication card at the beginning of the movie. Cause what does it say? I think it's, it says, like, to my mom or something. That it just says door. D, like, um, door? In loving free of door. Oh, and it is, God. is his mom. Sure. But, yeah, they funded <laughs> it through insurance money. That's wow. cool. <laughs> I, well, mean, I mean, he, he didn't really do, do much after this. I mean, he... He was given a bunch of money for the rights, hence why the sequels took a different direction. And sure. uh, he did come back. I, I, from what I read, he wanted to have a family, and now he's working for a law for, uh, firm. Okay. So he kind of like stepped out of the game, but it looks like he's slowly coming back with Return and this reboot that's been on the books oh, for a while. So he's part of the reboot. Though. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah. That's good. That's good to hear. Okay. Well, man. Did we cover everything? I think we did. I think we I think we got through this whole movie. This I mean, I don't know if you can ever get through all of Sleepaway Camp in a critical analysis. <laughs> and I appreciate that now when the horror community reflects on the genre, Sleepaway Camp is always up there with one of the best summer camp horror movies to come out of the 80s. People appreciate it and yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't leave it out of the conversation. It's definitely influential for you know for a lot of different reasons. But it's great. I love it. It's crazy. I can't believe I went so long without without watching it. <laughs> but uh, Mike, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on our show. Do you want to plug your social media? You have a really fun Instagram account. That's where I first <laughs> discovered you. Yeah. But um, but thank you again, Mike, for coming on. This was so much fun. We would love thank to do guys. it again. Maybe in the future we can come on for another show. But thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I was looking at all the episodes that you guys have done. I'm like trying to think of other movies that made me. Gay. Oh, send, send the recommendations <laughs> yeah, your way. And also, anytime you want to come on, just reach out. We'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime. If you can... If you can think of uh, another movie that that contributed to your homosexuality, we've already had repeat <laughs> guests, so don't feel like you've done one and you have to wait a while. Yeah, indeed. But um, it's been so much fun, dude. Ditto. We will uh, we will talk to you soon, and uh, have a good weekend. See you later. You too, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to another week 
of movies yeah. that made us gay. We kind of had an interesting lineup. We've done kind of a whole streak of movie f- movies from the 80s. Yes, indeed. We've done mm-hmm. a lot of 80s movies. Before that, we did a lot of 90s movies. Yep. But um, We'll probably be diving back into the 90s I mean, before you on. know it. Those were the movies that made us gay. We That's when we came up. So what are we going to do? We have a really good guest for next week. Well, we'll uh, you'll have to come back next week to find out who that really good guest is. And um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, I hope you already are doing that because you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. Yes, indeed. We would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes while you're there. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. And write us a review while you're at it. It's free. Do it for Judy and Meg. Do it for Judy and Meg. And um, until next week, everybody, unpleasant dreams. Bye. Bye. I bet you don't even have your period. That's enough, Judy. Angela's allowed to shower in the morning or any other time she wants to. She takes showers when no one can see. She has no hair down below. Judy, she's a real carpenter's dream. Pilates are bored and needs a scream.